Good morning and welcome to the Morning Briefing for Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame, and coming up on today's show, boy, do we have a good one for you. We're going to talk to one of those celebrities, I guess you could call him. Well, he's got a little bit of celebrity in the veteran community, a massive social media following. He was the star of a network television show, American Grit, on the Fox TV network with John Cena and John Burke. Yeah, John Burke, former Army drill sergeant, uh, became famous for kind of, well, as he puts it, uh, fat-shaming people. Or you could say he was just giving him some tough love motivation to get into better shape. Whatever you want to call it, I'm pretty sure he's okay with it. Now, he's a guy who became famous for kind of being uh, rough around the edges, kind of not pulling back on the punches and kind of being, well, I've heard him called a lot of names by a lot of people. I've met John a few times, and he seems to be a pretty good guy to me. And what he's doing now, well, it's also pretty darn good. He's created a nonprofit called the Alpha Nerds Guild that's working to build a community with veterans, law enforcement officers, and others, and also provide some services to some disabled and some PTSD-suffering veterans that might just help them uh, reconsider if they start thinking about suicide or other drastic measures. So we're going to talk to John about that coming up in the show. Also, Justin Brown, founder and CEO of Hill Vets, will be in studio to talk to every talk to and talk to us, <laughs> talk about everything that's going on in our nation's capital as it pertains to the veteran community. So we are absolutely looking forward to all of that. And as I mentioned this morning, we're mel- welcoming a special guest co-host, Mr. Phil Bird Dog Briggs, into the studio. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm good, buddy. Oh, I should probably turn up your microphone before I ask you questions. Hello. Good morning. You know, I'm the one who turned it down, and now i got to turn it back up. So let's take a look around the headlines, Phil. And, man, there's a lot going on today. We've got one here that uh, I'm seeing reported by Navy Times. It's about a Navy veteran who's doing a walk to honor the over 200 service members who were killed in the attack on the U.S. military outpost in Beirut, Lebanon, on October 23rd, 1983. Of course, the Marine Corps barracks uh, suicide bomber drove a truck into it. You had uh, 241 servicemen killed, including 220 Marines, 18 sailors, and three soldiers. And it's something that, while I know the Marine Corps never forgets about this issue, it's something that, because of what has happened in the the 20 years following that, it's often kind of forgotten by a lot of people that, again, 241 American servicemen were killed on that one day. The largest single loss of life for the United States Marine Corps since, I believe, Iwo Jima? Yeah, since the Battle of Iwo Jima. That was... The largest single loss of life since uh, one of the biggest battles of World War II. Uh, does it surprise you, Phil, that people do forget about these these big things that happen? You can talk about Cobar Towers. You can talk about the USS Cole. I mean, yeah, September 11, 2001 was a big day in, 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 in our American history. But there were a lot of other big days just before that that, I mean, honestly, I think you could date back the war on terrorism all, perhaps all the way to 1983 with the Beirut bombing, maybe even earlier. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you could even go back to like the Carter administration with the um, uh, with the Iranian oh the Iran you know, hostages, yeah, the whole, that tragedy with the helicopters. Um, I think it speaks to how we really have an ethnocentric kind of point of view. Like we tend to look at everything within our own borders, and that's the news of the day, and we forget that there's people serving and there's things going on outside of our country each and every day to the point where <clears throat> some of the new veterans, some of the 9-11 veterans that are running for political office are motivated because of the current leaders 
inability to even understand what's going on. I, mm. I, there are people on the Senate um, Armed Services Committee that I've heard state, well, I didn't even know we had people in Africa. Well, yeah. I, you should know that. You should know that, you know, our our goal to keep, you know, democracy and freedom and countries that want it and starve for it alive requires our presence in other places. And oftentimes it comes at the cost of the things like you'd mentioned with Beirut right. and the skirmishes and the battles that really never make headlines that we unfortunately are a part of. That and, October And 20- I'll add to your Beirut thing if I could. My brother, USS New Jersey, big shout out to Ron Briggs. No, the battleship. Working, 62, I believe. Working for the pickle factory somewhere in our uh, nation's capital. Thank you very much, Ron. But uh, I actually have the uh, Beirut International Peacekeeping Patch on a jacket we made for my dad that has the combined patches of all the different places my brother and I were stationed. Wow. But he was one of the first sailors on the ground there that I, that sadly had to go report to that scene. Right. But uh, knew it well in my family for all for all out there that are concerned. Um, never forgets Beirut. October 23rd, 1983. Uh, it's one of those days that the United States Marine Corps does not forget. And they do have a ceremony every year on October 23rd at the Beirut Memorial, which is located in... Jacksonville, North Carolina. Of course, mm. that is where Camp Lejeune is, and that's where those Marines who were killed mostly uh, were based out of. In fact, I think all of them were based out of there. It's interesting when you talk about places that people don't realize we have military members, because there is uh, some breaking news this morning, a story out of the United Arab Emirates, Dubai specifically, where a court in Dubai has sentenced an Egyptian taxi driver in Dubai, not in Egypt, in the sheikdom to six months in prison and deportation after he was convicted of sexually assaulting a U.S. Navy officer. This is being reported by The National. It's an English-language, state-aligned newspaper in Abu Dhabi, and they reported that verdict on Tuesday. The story is this 34-year-old uh, Egyptian, who I guess uh, immigrated to uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, Dubai specifically, grabbed a 22-year-old naval officer's thigh and forced her to touch his groin while driving her from a mall to the Jabal Ali port in March of 2017. Initially, he was cleared of the charge in a lower court, but prosecutors appealed and won a conviction at the Court of Appeal. Here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. Dubai, Jabal Ali, that is the busiest port of call. More U.S. Navy ships pull in to that part in Dubai, that port in Dubai, than anywhere else in the world. It is the biggest port of call outside the U.S. So unless you're counting, you know, Norfolk, Jacksonville, San Diego, there are more naval ships pulling into Jabal Ali in Dubai than anywhere else. Fifth Fleet has not uh, responded to a request for comment from the AP. Uh, We haven't requested a comment from them, so we also haven't gotten one. But this is one of those things where uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, that, that we have people in all the places that we do. It's interesting. When I tell people I was stationed in Iceland, Oh, I didn't know we had a military base in Iceland. Well, we don't anymore, but we did for like 40 years. Crete. You know how many people know we have a base on Crete? The people that were stationed in Crete. That's about (laughs) it. There's not a lot of other people. I mean, we are uh, all around the world in dealing with unique situations all around the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are certainly some issues in this country with the way that women are treated. There are issues with uh, the way that that everything works in every country. But man, we're in some places where, honestly, I'm kind of shocked to see that they got a conviction in this case in Dubai, a place where many times it's often blamed on the women for, you know, oh, well, you weren't dressing uh, conservatively enough. You weren't being uh, modest. And, uh, And things like that do happen. Also a place in the world where if you are convicted of adultery, the woman is oftentimes held criminally liable while the man isn't. 
Yeah, that was my question with that story is Dubai westernized government or is it still do they prescribe to the, you know, more religious interpretation where from what I've heard, people can be stoned for their crimes still? Not not so much that in the United Arab Emirates. There's not the capital and corporal punishment, particularly not the on the spot capital and corporal punishment that you'll see in a place like Saudi Arabia. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of is probably Saudi kingdom. Yeah, the United Arab Emirates is a bit more westernized. It's kind of. One of those places where the rich and powerful from that area go to let loose. That being said, there are still a lot of rules there that, you know, people here would think are draconian. And there have been cases where, you know, people were uh, there was a case where some tourists from Europe, I believe, uh, had some adult relations out on a beach there. And we're caught doing that. And it turned out they weren't married. One of them may have been married to somebody else. Ooh. And they were charged with the crime. I mean, even in one of the more advanced parts of the Middle East, I mean, you can put advanced in air quotes uh, around that one, <laughs> okay. there are still a lot of rules on the books. And while you don't have the, uh, the the religious police that you have in Saudi Arabia walking around with whips just ready to, to hit women for showing you know their ankles or whatever yeah. that goes yeah. on out there, there's still a lot of issues with it, but so it's like their Vegas with way more rules and a yeah. lot more religious undertones. Yeah, that's that's basically a big part of it. Very very wealthy kingdom. Um, you know, Bahrain is also similar. Uh, right. That that there is a large naval presence over there, and I was never stationed there, but I know people who were, and yeah. they said it was a it was a fascinating place. And there were two set of rules: a set of rules for the people that lived there, uh, or were from there, and also a set of rules for the people who were not from there. Of course. The Navy always pushed, you know, stick with uh, adapting to the local rules and regulations. That'll probably keep you safer, happier, and keep us out of the news, which is what they're looking for there. I wonder how long that pre-port call brief is for sailors going into Dubai. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You know? I don't know. I Look, never guys, there. I need you to not do the 22 things you normally do when you get to port in oh, America. Yeah. Okay? And I mean, it's 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 fascinating that I mean, yes, you want to respect your host country's rules and right. regulations but some countries that we go to it's like you know women aren't allowed to show their hair their faces and they have to yeah. wear long sleeve shirts when it's 155 degrees outside just crazy stuff like that uh to me there's there's maybe a limit on respecting the host country <laughs> regulations um you know it's just just the way that it is here's another thing that's in the news that is not particularly good and this is regarding to the gi bill The Forever GI Bill, which was signed into law last year by President Trump, was supposed to change the way that the VA calculated payments, the the housing stipend and the living stipend stipend that GI Bill recipients get. So starting August 1st of this year, so before this current school semester that just started in the last few weeks, payments were supposed to reflect the 2018 rate that an active duty E5 with dependents receives for housing, which I'm reading in news stories that that's a change, but that's what I got. So I don't know why that's a change. Right. The biggest change was the zip code where if I lived like, and for a time I did, I lived in New York using me as an example and commuted to Connecticut to go to school. Well, I was receiving that BAH for the zip code where I was living in New York, not the school in Connecticut. It's a different rate. Now, sure. up there, it's a pretty high rate no matter where you go to school. But in some places, it can make a big difference. Let's say you're going to school at, oh, I don't know, Duke, which is in uh, Durham, North Carolina, right. a, a fairly uh, urban area, and you're living uh, an hour or so away in a more rural part of North Carolina, you could be getting a substantially lower BAH amount. Also, there is the counter that can be true. You can be living someplace where it has a higher rate, going to school where it has a lower rate. doesn't matter. Whatever the case is. 
if you are receiving GI Bill benefits, it looks like, uh, I'm not good at the math here, but a large percentage. This is a tough math thing. We'll see if Phil can do it. It looks like they're making inaccurate payments because they said, well, we haven't figured it out yet. Let's just use the old method. 360,000 of the 392,000 currently using GI Bill benefits are receiving inaccurate payments. That's got to be 90-something percent, yeah. I guess. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's wow. like 90%, I believe. 360, so it's, it's a little bit over 90% of them receiving the wrong benefits. They've had a year to figure this out, and that's the thing that just keeps boggling my mind. You know, we use the word mind-boggling, so I guess I'll use boggling as a verb here. It keeps boggling my yeah, mind. Yeah. How do they have all this time to prepare for something like the, the ID cards, the VA ID cards that were just supposed to get you free pancakes? Was, they couldn't uh, even do that right. I was just going to mention that. I don't understand what it is, what makes the process so labor-intensive or so clumsy when you get a large organization involved like the VA. It, yeah. It, that ID card thing was just a joke. Uh, I, you know, I think about so many different times, even trying to get uh, research done on the medical marijuana situation that we've covered. Yeah. Uh, you know, you call and, you know, a VA medical center may say, oh, well, we'd like to do this study. But then you go up to the top of the chain of command and, and, and the VA clumsily moves along and they can't answer your questions. And I've been shocked since taking this job in the last year and working here with you guys, how inefficient any manner of government is at getting a simple change of a simple change implemented. And this doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal. Find the service members home of record or whatever right. you have them as verify that address. If they're going to school, verify their current address, wherever they're living and then make the change like that. And, and how that simple minute detail is so hard to implement. I, it's it's strange. All you would think just in the computer program, all right, well, enter this different zip code. Just all you'd have to do is look through 390,000 unless there's just one guy sitting there who's so far only gotten through 30,000 of the 300,000. You know, just like old Delbert who's been at the VA for 100 years. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put in a what's the zip code? Oh, he's in Beverly Hills. I remember that. Show. Remember Steve? Oh, Steve with his glorious blonde mullet. Uh, 9 Oh, <laughs> two. I mean, what is what is the problem when you have a year to prepare for this? This is something that's going to affect people's lives. Right. How do you not get it done in a year? A co private company would have people laid off by the boatload if right. they couldn't get something implemented that the board and the CEO told them, hey, by this date next year, we have a deadline. It needs to get done. If they don't get it done, people are just gone. That's not going to happen at the VA over this, I don't think. You know, to compare it to, like, say, Facebook, for instance, they were talking about uh, Facebook's Another clamping great down. run organization. <laughs> well, how many hundreds of thousands of millions of people uh, hacked this week? But you know how many images that they were controlling? They were talking about the whole uh, uh, content and the editorial censorship that Facebook was doing. And, oh, yeah. and they were saying, okay, well, certain images are found to be offensive. So we have an image screening board or a group of people that was tasked with making sure that images were not offensive or in violation of the company standards. And they had a team of people that I heard this podcast about it, literally going through thousands of images a day. Some people would literally have a new image on their screen to approve or disapprove every 10 seconds mm. for eight hours a day. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you had that kind of efficiency with changing the zip codes or the home of record for these students, I mean, you'd be through the process in, right. you know, five weeks.
And the GI Bill is one of the biggest things that the VA has to do. It's one of the most important things, second only to the medical care. And of course, you've got the issues with the medical care. Yeah. And when it comes to things like medical marijuana, I think some of that, at least from my perspective, seems to be willful. Well, we can't take a look at this. And then you find out you can. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah. And you need to use the marijuana that's grown at like Mississippi State University. And it's not the greatest, but you could still look at it. Well, yeah, but uh, look over here at the ID cards. Those aren't working either. I mean, some of it seems willful. And then you wonder if there is any political uh, aspect going on over there where uh, we, we've seen some people in certain departments of the government recently uh, caught on tape. Admitting to like, oh, yeah, right. we're intentionally trying to slow things down so that it just they're not able to get anything done. Could that be going on over at the VA? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is 390,000 people are supposed to be uh, living under these new rules with the living stipend that you get under the forever GI Bill. And 360,000 of those 390,000 are not. And that is not OK. Here's a uh, well, I mean, it's a story that I think some people are laughing at, but it's kind of uh, kind of upsetting, honestly. And it's one that you and I, I have a tangential tie to because now Phil Bird Dog Briggs, you earned that nickname <laughs> when we went hunting at yes. Don Shipley's place, uh, Warriors Rest, out in the eastern shore of Maryland. We went on a goose hunt, and Phil had never been before, and was kind of worried that there might be poisonous toothed gooses out there, geese. And because of that, well, hilarity ensued. But now you can say, yeah, kind of, you're a hunter. You were there. You were there, man. You saw it happen. <laughs> well, a hunting trip in Alaska didn't go too well for two young soldiers. Their names are William McCormick. He's a specialist, 28 years old. And Private First Class Zachary Tennyson is 19. They are from the 25th Infantry Division's 4th Brigade Combat Team, Airborne, based out of Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. They went hunting in the area of Carter Lake, Alaska. So that's uh, a little bit south of Anchorage. Mm, sounds beautiful. It, it, most of Alaska is, from what I hear. I have yet to go there. Right. You know what a lot of people told me when I was in Iceland? It's a lot like Alaska. <laughs> Just not, not The mountains aren't quite as big, and it's not as big. But yeah, they said it was very similar as far as the weather and everything. I was like, well, well I don't mind the weather here. Well, emergency dispatchers saw a beacon signal from one of those satellite things that you should take with you anytime yes. that you're going to a hard-to-reach location, whether it's scuba diving, hunting, anytime you're going to be someplace that's hard to reach, you should have one of these things. And thankfully, the young private and the young specialist did have one of those because here's what happened. They were hunting and saw a bear above them on a ridge. They took a shot, and they got that bear. Nice. Here's the problem, Phil. Gravity. That bear then started coming down the ridge as it died, dislodging rocks and coming down. I mean, those bears are big, man. Bear, you don't realize even a small bear is a big, big animal. Yeah. That baby bears can weigh like 200, 300 pounds. They're as big as NFL football players. It starts coming down, dislodges the rocks and all that stuff. So McCormick, that's the specialist, the 28-year-old, was struck by both a rock and the bear. <laughs> See, that's the thing. And you're starting to laugh right no, now, but I, I, I you're going to feel laugh. bad, Mr. Phil Jerkface Briggs. That's your new name because he was in pretty bad shape when they, they got there. I mean, he was hit by yeah. a several hundred pound animal and a rock coming down a ridge and had to be medically evacuated by helicopter. Uh, he sustained life-threatening injuries. Oh, so bless. we still don't know uh, exactly what his condition is. There is no update, according to uh, the local news up there. Army Times is also reporting on this. 
His partner that was out there with him, the young private, was not hurt in the accident. But just just goes to show you, I mean, you can prepare for a lot of things, but you can't prepare for boulders and bears rolling down a ridge at you. And it is one of those stories that at face value, I saw the headline and saw like Hunter uh, killed by or injured by bear that he just shot right. as it rolls on him. And I was like, what a doof. Then you read the actual story and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, that's... Maybe not a good idea if the bear was directly above you on a ridge to shoot at it. But if you've ever been hunting, sometimes you can go out there for so long looking for something to shoot at that when you finally do see something, yeah. it may not be the perfect situation, but you're going to take that shot. And in this case, you know, we hope that the uh, the young specialist pulls through on this one. But, I mean, does this mean uh, this is one of those things where you, there's nothing you can do about it. But, I mean, now this guy is injured. He's in the hospital. Yeah. It just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen out there. Let's hope that uh, for his sake, you know, they're all laughing about this one day over a beer. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I certainly do. I've done enough backcountry skiing in Utah when I lived out there that uh, when you see an avalanche begin, yeah, you definitely don't want to, you know, pause and right. wait and go, gosh, I wonder if that's going to come at me or if I should get out of the way. Like if you begin to see any snowfall start trickling down the shelf you need to get lateral as quick as you can oh yeah tim kennedy's uh, new show hard to kill he did the uh, avalanche survival and all that stuff it was just shocking how, yeah. how fast it can happen you think of snow as like oh soft snow yeah well when you've got a mountain of it on top of you right not so soft also a little bit cold and causes some problems it, it was crazy but uh, you're right hopefully uh Specialist McCormick pulls through on this one and is okay. And then his fellow soldiers can just start talking trash like you wouldn't believe because, oh, my God, can you imagine the little stuffed animals that are going to be used in all sorts of pranks? Like, hey, McCormick, look out. Teddy's coming for you. <laughs> the you know? nicknames he's going to get. You know, what's up, Paddington? You got bird dog just because you tried to stomp a goose to death because you thought it might bite you. Well, I didn't know it was going to be alive when I walked out there. I, I assumed since... You had shot the goose. Yeah, it that was be... one that I got, I think. I, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't uh, you know, kill it. Sometimes those birds. Better birds are, shot. I birds, are very, <laughs> birds are very, uh, there's a lot of air there. So <laughs> when you hit them with bird shot, uh, maybe it dies, maybe it doesn't. In that case, it sure didn't. But uh, Phil also did not kill. And he threw a live goose into a retired Navy SEALs <laughs> blind who then had to kill it himself and finish off the job. Oh, one of those fun things. We'll have to reach out to him and see about bringing some more people out to Warrior's Rest uh, this upcoming hunting season. Another issue out in Alaska that we're going to finish off here, and this is kind of a serious issue that I've been seeing people uh, make little political jokes about it, and this is not the time and it's not mm. the situation. Track Palin. Sarah Palin's son yes. is an Army veteran, served in Iraq. Uh, he's had some problems over the last few years. He's been arrested for domestic violence, clearly has some issues going on there uh, that are quite serious. Mm -hmm. I mean, these the first domestic violence issue a couple years ago, I believe, involved uh, him punching his then-girlfriend in the face. He also had a weapon at the time and then having issues with police. Well, he's been arrested and charged once again. Uh, he clearly needs help. Maybe needs to be locked up. I don't know what the situation is. I do know that people need to stop with their little, oh, yeah, Sarah Palin. Good, good. I'm glad. That's what's wrong in this country right now. When someone having a political difference from you uh, is, is enough for you to say, like, well, I hope that person dies. 
I mean, we just had a professor here in our nation's capital, yeah. Georgetown University, wishing death and castration upon uh, members of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. I, come on, man. Let's let's knock it off. Let's really knock it off with the whole that whole negativity thing. Speaking of negativity, the guy we're going to talk to next, he's been accused in the past of being a bit too negative. He says he did it out of love for his fellow veterans and others, trying to help them get back into shape. But you know what? If you want to call John Burke a fat shamer, he's not too concerned about it because it helped him build a social media brand. And that social media brand has now helped him build his own nonprofit. After he got kind of screwed over by several nonprofits that he tried to work with, who it turned out were being less than honest about where all the money was going, he started his own. And it's using video gaming to actually reach out to disabled veterans and homebound veterans, build a community within the veteran law enforcement and civilian community. It's not restricted to veterans. And for those who are disabled and those who are uh, medically diagnosed with PTSD, can't leave the house, all these different things, they're actually buying them video game systems so that they're able to connect to the World Wide Web through that system and chat with their fellow gamers through Alpha Nerds Guild. John Burke is our next guest. He's coming up right after this. It's the Morning Briefing, Tuesday edition. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Morning Briefing on Entercom's ConnectingVets.com. I'm your host, Eric Dame, and our next guest is a man who's built a massive social media following. He starred on a network television show, Fox's American Grit, and of course served in the United States Army. He is John Burke, and I talked to him about his new nonprofit, but first started off asking how he reflected and how he looked back on his time in uniform. Oh, man, I was 17 when I joined up, and they said something about being uh, into porn, and I signed the contract, and boy, was I really let down. I was just, <laughs> I was really infuriated by that, but no, I did the infantry thing for like 13 years, did the drill sergeant thing, and then uh, traveled around with the places that uh, normally you don't vacation at, you know, a lot of sand bullets some stuff like that i don't know it was weird it was all a blur but uh yeah i did that and then uh porn never happened although there was you know some, some occasions to where i was uh the green weenie was there but you know you deal with it you move on with life hashtag me too it is what it is but no nah, it was it was a great experience dude it's uh, uh it's one of those things that on all in an all serious note on an all serious note it's, it's one of those things that you can either look back at your time served and loathe it you can hate it um, or you can choose to try and take things away from it to apply towards your life to say, hey, you know what? I had some toxic leaders in there, but it's not going to influence my life into being a toxic person. It's take away the good from it. It's kind of like eating a cherry pie, man. I mean, if we sit there, we hit a pit. Do we, hold, do we throw the whole cherry pie away? Or do we throw the pit away and we just keep eating the pie? Right. So, and then that, that leads into the whole fat shaming thing of what I do as well. So it's great there. No, but you get what I'm saying. It's like it's you – you take out of it what you want. You know, if you go in there looking to see bad stuff, you're going to find plenty of bad stuff. We've been there. Or you can look to say, hey, you know what? It sucked at times. It was great at times. But these are the lessons I learned. These are the things I take away from it. It's how I apply it to my life. It's how I apply it to the business world, yada, yada, yada. And it's, uh, you know, I look at it as a blessing. You know, I, I, would not, I would not change it if I had to or if I could. Except the porn part. I would definitely change the porn part. There would be porn. There would be porn. <laughs> how did I know it would come back to that? Now, think back to yeah, that right. day when you, you realize, oh, man, I'm coming up on my last day in uniform. You've decided to get out of the Army. What was John Burke's plan at that point? What did you want to do when you got out of the Army? Well, I, was for, I got out twice. Okay, I got out on my first tour, um, and the first time, it was a serious mistake. I thought that I had a, a huge sense of entitlement, man. I, I got out, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a job. Why? Because they want to hire veterans. I've been there. I've done stuff. and I killed people for my country, man. I did stuff like that. 
and you get out and you realize, um, and this is, just, I'm not, I'm not demonizing anybody. I am not going to finger at anyone, but a lot of people back then did not care about veterans. Um, they didn't care about employing a veteran, but also at the same time, I understand why it was more along the lines of, can you hack it at this job? If you're a veteran, that's cool. So I expect you to be able to hack it at this job. Um, but for me, it was, I was 20 years old. I thought I was just hot stuff. I thought that I knew it all. Huge sense of entitlement. Didn't realize I'd be going back to the bottom of the totem pole. And when you do your time in the Army, you know, you work your way up the chain of command. It, it you know, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of effort. So when you're told that you got to start back over, man, that's like a kick in the crotch. It sucks. So the second time I got out, I had a plan. I had a plan. I had a business set up, an online fitness endeavor. I had launched it maybe three months prior to me getting out. And when I got out, I realized, I mean, I told myself, I was like, look, you know, you've got to have already several sources of income coming in to supplement the one you're about to lose. And that's what entrepreneurship is. It's multiple different avenues of income that essentially if one business fails, you can still pay the bills of the other three that you've got going on. But I developed a plan. I looked at it from a common sense approach and I did not uh, assume anything. I did not assume that I would be hired on the spot. And me, it's like, you know what, I'm going to plan for the worst, worst case scenario. I'm going to plan like I'm not going to have a job for the first six months. So I saved every penny, man. I had at least $10,000 in my savings account saved up before I even got out. I had used my TA on getting my degree. I was going to go back to college, but then I launched the business. And then I delved into a new realm of social media that, as you know, I mean, at, the, at the Influencer Conference, you saw the importance of social media. And it's a whole new frontier. It's like the next space in a weird way without aliens and the Ferengi and Vulcans and stuff like that. It's actually just trolls and bots and stuff like that. Anyway, but it was a whole new world, man. It was, I'm like, I'm like the Aladdin and you're Jasmine and I'm sitting there saying like, Oh, and we're on the carpet and we're paying for ads and we're boosting stuff. And we're, it's just crazy stuff. So I went down that Avenue and I've been doing it ever since. And it's just, it's, it's, um, I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I have a plan. It's one of these things that I'm just following this journey and see where it goes, man. Um, just doing multiple different things, multiple different businesses, multiple different endeavors, and applying myself in every way that I can to hopefully make something successful. And then understanding that sometimes, you know, things just aren't going to go right. Things won't be successful, and you just got to walk away and let it die. Kind of like the whole porn thing, you know. I was really, I was really, I was really hoping for that, but I, I tried out, but they said my application was too short. So oh. you know, it is what it is. So. Yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. Yeah. The, the interesting yeah. journey that you're on, it's taking you to interesting places already. You mentioned social media. For those who don't know John Burke, he's got, what, 632,495 followers on Facebook alone, give or take. Yeah, but who's counting? Yeah, he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was featured on American Grit with John Cena and uh, down at the Influencer Conference. There were people coming up to you and saying, hey, I know you from TV. And there were people at the conference, fellow veterans, who were actually taking secret pictures of you. I don't know if you've seen any of these on Twitter. One woman said, oh, my husband and I used to watch American Grit every night that it was on. That's John Burke. And she took a picture of you from behind. What's that part of life? Serious. What's that part of life been like for you? Has it been odd being someone who who went from being an army drill sergeant and, and doing everything that you did in the army to being on TV and having over half a million people on Facebook alone checking out your each and every move? Um, <clears throat> is, is it weird at times? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. There are times like what you just uh, gave as an example. It's like that's that's. I, I don't know. I, I get why somebody sometimes wouldn't want to approach me because they think that the guy from the drill sergeant, the guy from TV is who I am in real life. It's like that was, that was the trainer role I had to be, you know, that it wasn't me pretending that was me being the drill sergeant again, but no one is like that 24 seven. If they are, well then I feel sorry for you. Cause that's not worth, that's not a life that's going to be very happy. Like just, you know, going home at night, hanging upside down and disassembling your 45 blindfolds going, Hoo-ha! that's nobody does that. That's, 
I know. I don't know. But for me, it, it's just uh, like the thing that I've been blessed to do is being able to show the entire world on the international stage my transition of leaving the military into doing what I am doing now. And it's been, it's been difficult at times. There are times that um, I don't feel motivated. I don't feel like I want to share a part of my life. But that's what social media has turned into. And that's what people, you know, the messages I get. Uh, dude, if you look at my message box, it's insane. There's, you know, your, there's your negative messages. And then there's your positive messages. And you get guys going in there. Like I, I, I had a guy like three nights ago, a Navy veteran, suicide uh, survivor, talked about, you know, watching the gaming stuff, watching the stuff that we do has been so impactful that it's given him something to look forward to. And that right there is what makes it all worth it. It's what makes the drive worth it, you know, because there are times that, like, I just want to give it up. It's like, you know, this is just stupid, you know, but then you get that message of empowerment. It's like, damn, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. And it just, it feels you want to do more goodness because to be op- perfectly open, man, uh, this, these last three years, two years since I've been out, there's been a lot of anger, a lot of anger inside of me, and I didn't know where to gear it towards. And I didn't know what the cause of it was. It was just anger of having been through four and a half years of Iraq and Afghanistan from Fallujah to the Pesh River Valleys and stuff like that. Some of the worst fighting out there. And there's just a lot of internalized anger. And I couldn't figure out why. And maybe it's because you come back to America and you see it in the state of affairs that it is in now. And it's like, this is not what we fought for. We fought for America to be America, to be united in a sense. But we're not, which, you know, in a sense is the democratic process, that's democracy. You know, we don't, we don't have to be united. We, we are able to disagree and stuff. But over the last two to three years, it's been trying to find that anger and channel it in a positive direction and kind of go through this transition on the stage and let other people see into my life. The people that have followed me for years, man, have told me that, you know, I remember when you were first doing this. I remember when you were doing this to see where you are now. And it's nice to see you're actually finally trying to come up through that, that hole in the ground and understand that life is worth living, and it's worth living happy. Don't, be, don't, be, let, don't let that anger consume you inside. And for the longest time, it's just very easy to let that, 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 that inner demon control your mind, how you look at things, how you talk to people, how you do various things. Now, I still get on the YouTube and do my, my funny comedic thing. Sometimes I'll do the drill start. Sometimes I'll do the comedic thing. It's all about playing around and seeing what works. But the biggest advice I could give to anyone transitioning out of the military, man, is find something that's going to make you happy. Keep your hands busy with a hobby and a, a, a goal, a, a direction. Don't get out of the military without a direction because we've been trained to always have a mission. You know, when you're coming back from deployment, you immediately go into reset. Then you're going back into team life fire, squad life fire, company life fire. You've got something you're training for. You know that you're on a patch chart and you're about to deploy in six months. You're training for something. Then when you get out, man, I'm telling you, you are so much more than that uniform. You are so much more than that uniform. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing the uniform. I'm not demeaning it. But what I am saying is there is more depth to you. And anyone that thinks that they are just a uniform is intellectually shallow. You need to delve deeper into who it is that you are as an individual and understand that individuality is what you bring to the Army. And then once you leave the Army, you take that individuality with you. And you expand upon it. And then you explore new avenues, new things that you have never seen or done your entire life. Grow your hair long. Grow a beard. Go listen to a new type of music. Go take an art class. Go do an acting class. Write poetry. Go video game. Try the things that you were always afraid to try before. Because let's be honest, in a warrior culture, we are taught to think and feel a certain way. You've got to be hard. You've got to be tough. And I agree that it does need to exist because that's what's needed for war fighters. But once you're out of that environment find something that makes you happy, 
and don't let that inner anger consume you because that's just not a life worth living. And the guys that we left over there would not want you living a life like that. We're speaking with John Burke. Of course, John, bit of a renaissance man. He's a social media star. He's been on network television with the TV show American Grit. He's got a lot of different fires burning at all different times. And one of the newest ones that I just became aware of is the Alpha Nerds Guild, which is working to bring people together through video games. And it says that it has the stated purpose, a much greater purpose than just getting together and talking about games and nerdly topics, but actually to help veterans, LEOs, and first responders battle against PTSD and anxiety disorders through gaming and the mutual love of all things nerdy. John, when did you start the Alpha Nerds Guild and, and why? What was the impetus for you to do that? Um, so we started it. It's actually the one year anniversary this month in October. It's the one year anniversary of the Alpha Nerds Guild. But um, I had a friend who was into Twitch gaming and he told me about it. I was like, what the heck is Twitch gaming? And he's like, no, you got to check this out. You can get paid to play video games. It's like, no way. So I looked at it and I'm, I'm a, I've been a video gamer my entire life, man. I've loved I was World of Warcrafter. I did it all. And so I checked it out, and I started up a Twitch channel uh, at B. John Burke. One word. You can check me out there. It's a lot of fun. We stream every night at 8 p.m. CST, subtle plug. And I realized, like, you know, there's something to this. I was like, but there's nothing in the veteran world for gaming. No one's, no one's monetized it. No one's taken that and created a brand. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I created the Alpha Nerds Guild. And what I wanted to do was make it a nerdy group of people, gamers, and then brand it. Brand it sell merchandise, create a, a community. Kind of like if you look at what Black Rifle has done for coffee. It's incredible. It's drinking bros. It's like they've done something amazing. It's like, all right, so copy it. Copy it and take it a different route. And so it was a matter of not really copying it per se, but uh, even when they started doing it, I was already doing it with my own fitness groups in the arena fitness, various things. Because anyone on social media knows your groups and it's how you build your community. So I started the Alpha Nerds Guild. And one night we were gaming, and we had about maybe four or five of us together on Discord chatting. It's like a Friday night, and we were all we – were, we were toasted. We had been drinking. We were gaming. We were just – we were having honest fun, like just discussing some really dark things sometimes, things that you can't talk about with civilians. And it's nothing against civilians. It's just they don't understand it sometimes. Um, they don't get the humor. And when I say that, it's not like trying to set up a barrier between us by saying, oh, you're not a part of this exclusive club. It's just saying that I feel tested this I – feel, I have field tested this theory – on multiple occasions, and every single time, civilians just do not understand our, our humor of how we deal with things. Um, but that night, uh, we gamed for at least four hours. We all got rip-roaring drunk, went to bed, and the next day, I had almost every single one of them telling me that was so therapeutic. I haven't had that since I got out of the military. We need to do that again. I was like, wait, well, hey. I was like, you, you, you lied to them. One dude even said he was like on the brink of killing himself, and he said this is what he needed. It gave him a sense of purpose, a sense of community. I said, well, this is, this is nuts. Let's, let's, let's look at this. Let's elaborate on this. Let's go further. And thus, um, we grew the group. And then I just didn't feel right turning it into a brand. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's make this a nonprofit because I've been burned from nonprofits I represented before. And I walked away from them because they were stealing money. They were, they were not putting the money where they say it was going to go. Um, and anyone that follows me knows that I blasted these people. I have no qualms about putting somebody on blast on social media that's lying to the public about where the money is going. Um, but it, it's the idea of if you want something done right, you're just going to have to do it yourself, especially where money's involved. So we formed the nonprofit Alpha Nerds Guild. And it's a Facebook group that people join. And we are 100% nonprofit. Not a single person that helps out with the guild 
from the admins on the Facebook page, the website designer, the graphics designer, uh, the secretary, the, the treasurer, all of it. Every single person works for free, and they love doing it. They're a great group of people. So what we do is if you're a veteran or a first responder and you have PTSD, number one, we're going to need to see proof of service, honorable discharge from the military, and then a medical diagnosis from a medical healthcare professional indicating that you have PTSD. We'll review it, and then you've got to be a part of the guild for at least two months on Facebook, and we have to see you participating. We have to see you getting involved in the discussions, making posts, helping people, helping people laugh, because essentially I would love to just give the systems away, but you're going to have to earn it. I want to see how bad you want it, and I want to see how bad you, you need it, and I want to see you help other people in the process. And if you do that, within two months, we send you a gaming system of your choice, whether it's an Xbox One X or a PlayStation 4, the newest models. We were going to do computer systems, but it just costs way too much. So right now the cost of a gaming system averages around 450 to 500 and we just send it, or we, yeah, we purchase it, they go pick it up to the nearest store, and all we ask is that they send us a picture that we can use to promote to elicit other donations, and we're 100% nonprofit, and all donations we have have been people just donating to the website through the use of my social media, pushing the message out there. Did it surprise you that something that you started, uh, you know, with the Twitch thing initially uh, looking as another outlet for your business, basically another way to bring income in, that it actually led you to founding your own nonprofit? Or was that something that you thought was maybe a possibility? No, no, there's no, dude, I'd be lying to you. I can't sit here and pretend like I'm this, this, uh, <laughs> like I have that much foresight. I do not. It was completely accidental. It was coincidence. I was like, well, hey, that's awesome. Let's roll with it. You know, and that's, that's part of business sometimes, too. It's figuring out what works. And then, you know, like I said, it kind of pulled on the heartstrings, and we've created something incredible. And we've, dude, the messages I've, I've received from it have just been wonderful. You know, I've had, some, I've had some pushback. You know, I've had people in the community come at me and say, you know, gaming is horrible. It doesn't help. It doesn't do this. And then I have messages of, of people that actually said, yeah, I was about to pull the trigger, dude, and the guild brought me back. So yeah. if it saves one person, I really don't care what anybody else has to say. I mean, if people... What we have to stop doing in the veteran community is saying that this is the only way to deal or confront PTSD or PTS. You can't do that because some people respond better to nature and hunting. Some people respond better to weightlifting. Some people respond better to gaming. And there are so many niches out there now that it's like, you know, it's like an oversaturated market of nonprofits. There's everything out there. But that's kind of also a good thing because, you know, if you're not into gaming and you want to do hunting, well, it's there somewhere. You want to do fishing, it's there somewhere. And all we're doing is just bringing the gaming aspect of it to it. So that's basically what it's, uh, that's what it's turned into. Who is Alpha Nerds Guild for? If you got a pulse, everybody. It's not just for veterans. And for, it's for everyone. But the nonprofit is for veterans and first responders. So you don't even have to be a gamer. If you just want to be helping, if you want to help veterans, join it. If you want to help first responders, join it. If you want to be, and it's a very positive group. There's no politics there. There's no drama. We keep all, and I've had to unfortunately boot a lot of people that came in that were veterans with a very dark humor, wanted to post these uh, inappropriate memes. It's like, no, it's like, this is not the place for that. This is a nonprofit. This is actually going to create a positive space in the interwebs on Facebook, which is very rare to find these days. <laughs> we don't push pornography. We don't push the dark humor. What I do is I offer that on my channel. When I, when I game, if people want to do the dark humor thing, we can do it on my channel. But it's not in the guild. So I wouldn't say the guild is kid-friendly. We have cussing in there, but that's about the extent of it. That, that's the worst part is that we, we cuss. So, and that's, just, that's about it. But I, I, it's, it's been something that a lot of people have loved. And then a few people have hated saying, you know, you guys don't really 
you're not there for helping veterans. You just want to silence us. It's like, I want to silence you because, honestly, you have a toxic mentality, and I'm not going to let that spread in this group because it will spread like cancer, and I will not have it. I'm, I'm the shepherd of the flock, and I guard my flock very closely. We're speaking with John Burke, Army veteran, Renaissance man. You know him from social media, American Grit, the television show. Now, the Alpha Nerds Guild. And, John, this is going to be more than just a Facebook group and more than just gaming online. I was reading online in the Guild, uh, full disclosure, I did join up with the group because, yeah, I like to play games once in a while. You're actually going to have a meetup with members of the Alpha Nerds Guild at the Irving Convention Center uh, at the Dallas Fan Day. Uh, what's that going to be like? Oh, it's going to be a great time, man. I'm, I've got about 15 people. I'm coming from out of state that are crashing in my house. And then a lot more people coming. It's just we're, we're having a meetup, man. It's a meetup to go do this Comic-Con together. And we're going to go dork out together. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we'll probably have some drinks, play some games, just hang out, be a good, cool community. And it's not, like I said, it's not just for veterans. It's for everyone. And uh, we have Christy Swanson, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's going to be there. She's a friend. She wants to get involved somehow. She loves helping and supporting veterans. Um, it's just been, it's growing. It's a growing community. It's been insane to see the amount of growth. We're almost at 10,000 members on Facebook. Um, and I'm just trying to get my following on Facebook pushed into that group to contribute, to help out, to have some fun. But the meetup, it's literally, uh, we've already had one meetup in Dallas, like maybe about seven months ago, had about 20 people show up and we literally met for breakfast, went to the con. We all kind of hung out, had a few people crash my place. Next day, woke up, did it again. And we just, we have a lot of fun. It's like people getting to be kids again, man. People getting to be kids, dork out over the comic books, meet their favorite characters. I mean, we got to meet Data from Star Trek and Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. It was so much fun, man. And it's, uh, it's just, it gives something, it gives people some purpose. It gives them something to look forward to. And maybe sometimes that's really all someone needs to keep them alive is to give them something to look forward to. Has there been any surprise from people who know John Burke more from the outrageous humor and the, uh, the loud fat shaming videos from the original <laughs> days? Are people surprised that, hey, maybe he's actually a nice guy. He's trying to do nice things for people too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it is people don't understand that delivery is the key ingredient to making something go viral. If I delivered something that was outside of my persona or my character that has been created on Facebook, they would just be rejected and rebuffed. Um, but for this, yeah, I get it all the time, especially when I'm playing World of Warcraft. It's like, bro, I'll get it. And like when I'm streaming on Twitch, like I will get messages like, whoa, is this like D. John Burke plays World of Warcraft? No way. Like I've had privates that I was a drill sergeant for. Like you scared the crap out of me and seeing you play in this game is totally contradictory to the persona that you displayed while you were a drill. So I was like, oh, I get it. But it was an act. I'm not really that big of a, of a jerk. Like, that's just me training you, getting you ready for what you were about to face. But now, um, I put it this way. Like, on my streams at night on Twitch, man, I'm there to entertain. I'm there to make someone laugh. I'm there to make somebody smile. We start every show off every night at 8 p.m. CST at the Jump Rock on Twitch. We, show, we start every show off. I tell them. And I, this is one of those things that took away from the Army. You remember when we did those after-action reviews? You remember how we started those? Yeah. Three ups, three downs. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want the downs. <laughs> we start every show. It's like, give me something positive that happened to you today. I want to read something. I don't care if it's my dog did something cool. You got to find the pause, and it gives them something to look forward to. It's like, hey, tonight John wants me to, you know, when John starts streaming, he's going to ask, what was something positive? So keep your eye open. Find the good stuff. And I hate, I hate quoting Army stuff like the resilience training, <laughs> but they, they always had this. I hate it because you remember, we sat there in those briefings for hours on end. It's like, oh, my God. Like, this is just the most boring, redundant crap I've ever heard in my life. I'm so tired of hearing it. And then you get out, and it's like, there was something to that. Because <laughs> yep. I remember one of the things for resiliency training was hunt the good stuff. And I never forgot it. And I, I apply it now. And it, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not always successful. 
I don't lie to people on social media and say, oh, I had a wonderful day. My day was awesome. You know, I'm just I'm out here dating these supermodels, driving these fast. It's like, no, I live in suburban America. I, I still have to cut my grass today. Um, I, I do what I can to help. But it's a matter of hunt the good stuff. Find the good things in your day and focus on those. Surround yourself with positivity. Change the music you're listening to. Change the people you're around if you find them bringing you down or making you sad. Do good stuff. And so that's what the message is. So every night I stream, it's like that's the first thing we open with. It's like find something positive and tell me about it. And then I'll tell you something that I had. And then I'm going to entertain you. Like last night we streamed for four hours. And it was the most entertaining night that we've had in a very long time where we're kicking back. We're relaxing. We're having a great time. We're going back and forth. People in the chat room, we're, we're having a wonderful time. We didn't even game. And we did this thing called positive trolling. And you, you know what trolling is. Like when you go on hey. somebody's page and you're, you're, just, you're talking schmack. We do positive trolling. So we have a good following on Twitch and a lot of viewers. Well, a lot of Twitch streamers out there, they stream to essentially an empty theater. There's no one watching. And you can see the views of people that are currently watching. And they just don't have the exposure that I do. And it's, it's kind of like not fair in a sense, but I, I see that. And these guys are putting it all out there. You know, they're really working hard. They want to get big on Twitch. They want to create a community. And so what we'll do is I'll go tell the people that are in my channel. I'll post the name and the link of this guy that's streaming at the same time. And we'll go invade his chat room and leave him nothing but just weird positive comments. Like, I bet you make cocoa at the perfect temperature, don't you? <laughs> and so kind of the guys are like, what in the world? They don't know how to take it. But the biggest thing is, the greatest thing is, when they see their viewer count, go through the roof. Right. Like guys that had zero viewers suddenly get like 50, 60, 70, like what just happened? And suddenly they, they light up, man. Their face starts, they start smiling. They start laughing. I've had one of them start crying because they just, they put it all out there. Every time they stream, it's like they're working hard. And then somebody comes in and now he's got an audience to perform for. Yeah. And that's what we do some nights. And we call it the positive troll brigade. And we just have a lot of fun with it. It's just spreading love. And at the same time, um, last night we bought a dude who was streaming. We bought him a game. We all donated some money, bought him a game, and he's flipping out on the stream. He's flipping out. He's loving it. And then what we've done is we've now grown our ranks. They just joined the Alpha Nerds Guild. They joined my Twitch stream, and now we're just we're creating a brigade of positivity, you know? Yep. Hey, John, we're just about out of time. So if people are interested in finding out more about Alpha Nerds Guild and more about you and what you do, what are the places they should go to to do that? Check me out on Twitch at the John Burke, and the Facebook group is the Alpha Nerds Guild. Join it, answer the security questions so I can make sure that you're not a Nigerian scammer trying to use my pictures to sell or get iTunes gift cards from women. Uh, and then find me on Facebook at John Burke and Instagram at John Burke One. Welcome back to the morning briefing on Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. I'm your host, Eric Dame, and ConnectingVets.com is your website. What do I mean by that? I'm going to tell you. What I mean by that is that each and every member of our team knows what it's like to have worn the uniform or to have been part of a family that was moving every couple of years from base to base or being a spouse of someone serving in the military. It's because of that knowledge, that personal experience that we have, that I believe our team has the ability to seek out the stories, the information, the benefits, the news that matters most to you. You can find it going up every day at ConnectingVets.com and by following us on social media where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We're about to talk to a man who used to be known as at Twitter on Twitter. He is the founder and CEO of Hill Vets, Justin Brown. Justin, good morning. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. And, it's uh, good to see you. I haven't seen you for a few weeks. I was gone last week. You were gone the week before. Climbing, which mountain was it? Was it Mount McKinley or where were you? Mount Whitney. Mount Whitney. California. The ship? The USS Mount Whitney? Yeah, that's yeah, a pretty easy go. climb. You just go up the radio tower and you're good to go. Uh, of course, that's what you do in your spare time. But for your real job, 
You're keeping an eye on what's going on on Capitol Hill as it relates to veterans. Also keeping an eye on the political races taking place involving veterans around the country. Because a big part of what Hill Vets does is working to get vets more involved in politics. And right now, what Justin's working on is trying to get his seat adjusted to a comfortable height. I apologize. They keep moving. There you go. They keep moving the seats around in here. Uh, But there's also some fun stuff that you get to do through Hill Vets. One of which, man, I really wanted to go to, but it didn't work out for me, was the Autumn Soiree, which just took place fairly recently. How'd that event go? What was the the rating on the Autumn Soiree? Yeah, I mean, we had a great time. The intent of our... uh, fall soirees to to highlight the veteran community in Washington, D.C., those working in government and politics. Uh, We got to highlight a number of our incoming Hill Vets Lead Protégés, which is a new leadership program we put together. So we've got 18 new veterans in that program. We had uh, Secretary Chuck Hagel, who's the chair of the Hill Vets Advisory Board there, uh, Deputy Secretary of the VA, some members of Congress like Don Bacon, uh, a veteran himself from Nebraska. Air Force General. Yep. Yeah. Adam, Adam Kinzinger and some others. So it, it was really a, a special night. We had a good time. Uh, it, it, it's on a rooftop and it started to, to rain, unfortunately. Oh, no. Which, you know, only added character to the overall event. We all had to uh, evacuate for the monsoon and <laughs> ended up in, uh, you know, some, some hallway for a little bit. And then we, you know, just kind of moved from there to a, a local watering hole. But it was it was a really good time. It certainly sounds like, and and the opportunity for people who are kind of in the Hill Vets uh, uh, audience, in the Hill Vets, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the the satellites, the orbit, the Hill Vets orbit, to be able to get together and talk to each other and to people like Senator, or sorry, Secretary Hagel. I mean, I know he's former senator, former senator, but Secretary is kind of, you know, that's the title that he goes by. Or just Chuck. Uh, I got to see him speak at uh, the Ken Burns uh, premiere of the Vietnam War documentary. He was on stage with Senator McCain and a couple other, and really just a, a fascinating guy to listen that was, to. That was actually the last time they uh, talked with each other. Really? So, yeah. And boy, you could tell the two of them had a relationship. Yeah. And, and, and a good goes, relationship. Goes way back. Certainly didn't agree on everything, but just really uh, loved each other. It was pretty clear yeah. there in that very military manner of just poking at each other, with the, just poking each other constantly. The jokes going back and forth were fantastic. But let's move on to some more serious stuff, including Secretary Wilkie from the VA. He's been uh, quite visible over the last couple of weeks. Of course, he's been in that position for a couple of months now. Things seem to be going pretty well under Wilkie's leadership at the VA. How, what do you think about his recent you know, public appearances and everything that he's been doing? Yeah, so, I mean, he seems to be hitting, hitting, hitting it off on the right uh, stride, I, I suppose I would say. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's emphasized and highlighted that he thinks uh, some things at the institution have calmed down. Uh, there were a number of questions from the senators, as there should be, with regards to uh, you know, things like the Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, I dare say scandal where, you know, you had folks like Ike Perlmutter, the, the, the founder and CEO of Marvel Comics, um, it being insinuated that there was this, you know, shadow bureaucracy running mm-hmm. VA, if you will, and that all of these, you know, secretaries and senior VA politicos had to go to Mar-a-Lago and essentially kiss the ring and were taking their orders out of Florida um, you know, so there were a number of questions pertaining to that. Uh, you know, he, he I think, uh, did a good job of highlighting, uh, you know, A, I think being honest in terms of his relationship with those folks and uh, trying to make it clear to the Senate that uh, he was taking his orders from, you know, Congress and the president. Yeah. And, um, you know, so uh, there, there, there's also 
quite a bit of consternation with uh, previous uh, infighting, uh, some of which was accounted to have potentially led to the firing of Dr. David Shulkin. And I think he's done a pretty good job of making it clear that, you know, he's in charge. There aren't any of these, you know, multi-factions or infighting uh, currently going on. Uh, within within the VA. So I think uh, a number of steps in the right direction. Um, you know, some other questions were focused on workforce morale. Uh, VA is, is, is quite frankly pretty beat down right now in terms of, uh, you know, all of the senior leadership changes. And, and what that ultimately means is, you know, if, with, with just this constant churn, and we've talked about this before, if all the focus is on this leadership change, who's in charge, what faction is winning, you know, is it the, uh, you know, the folks over here, the folks over there, nothing at the end of the day or not as much as you'd like to see is getting done, right? There's, yeah. It takes all the focus off of the mission of serving veterans. How do we best serve veterans? How do we solve uh, key issues and problems? Uh, if everything is on, you know, is is, um, you know, shulking in, is he out? Uh, you know, what are these, you know, other political players doing? Who's giving orders? Uh, you know, or, or people from Mar-a-Lago running the VA? Um, you know, if all of those things are the focus, then, you know, we, we, we're not talking about suicide enough. We're not talking about mental health. We're not talking about timely delivery of health care. Uh, so it's really important that, you know, some of these issues – uh, get addressed in, in in short order. It is, and it's it's one of those things where there are a lot of issues at the VA. We've been talking uh, we've been talking about them on this show for a year and a half now. Many of them are the same issues that we've had for many years. There's also some new ones. I mean, we were talking earlier today about the GI Bill payments, where they were supposed to be adapted to a new form for this school year. They had essentially uh, almost a year to prepare for it, and 360 out of the 400,000 GI Bill benefit recipients are not receiving the correct payments on the updated thing. If, again, we're too focused on who the leader is, like we have been for the last, what's it been, six months, seven, eight months, something like yeah, that, before it, he it, came in? At least. I, yeah. mean, cause, I think it was yeah. January, right? When Shulkin left office, January, February time frame, somewhere around there? Yeah, that sounds right. Sounds right. But, and but then you but had then, the Ronnie but then all Jackson. The lead, all and, the lead up and, yeah. yeah, the proposed changes. and It's when you're when you're worried about the big story, then all the, all the other big stories, but slightly less big, fall by the wayside, as you were just saying. So yeah. there are I mean, a lot of issues. I mean, I think generally with exception to, you know, that honeymoon, honeymoon period where Dr. David Shulkin, uh, you know, had the, the title from the president as the 100 no man, yeah. you know, <laughs> lasted a few months. And, and then, then all of a sudden, and then, and then, you know, I think it was right around Wimbledon ticket time. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know. Well, I bet you he's wishing he didn't uh, go to yeah, see some tennis that It day. definitely gave a lot of ammo. Um, I mean, I think it was, it was, it was a combination of two things, right? It was, it was Wimbledon ticket, ticket time, but I think that was largely just used as an excuse internally right. um, to go after him based on where he was positing publicly on, 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 on choice, right? Yeah. And, 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 and the privatization of VA. And, and then I think, you know, these folks, frankly, at Mar-a-Lago were very influential. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that there was some, you know, conspiracy there. I do think you had folks down there who very much had the president's ear. And, um, you know, so hopefully, uh, 
you know, the administration has learned their lesson, you know, in this capacity and in terms of moving forward, you know, you need to pick a person that's the right person for the job. You need to empower them to do the job, uh, not really undermine them or allow other, you know, junior level political appointees to undermine them. Right. Um, and, and frankly, if they do, they should be fired by the secretary. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and that's, 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 I think the structure that, you know, to some degree you need, I mean, it's a chain of command, right? I mean, if you have, uh, you know, somebody who you've put in power, but you're allowing people to undermine them and, or you're having people who are really in charge, but you're not saying they're in charge, you're going to have command climate issues, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to have some real challenges in terms of uh, leading, getting stuff done, holding people accountable, all of those things. So I, I, I hope if nothing else, you know, that this was, a, again, a real learning lesson for the administration and what not to do. Because it, at the end of the day, it really wasn't about Wimbledon tickets. I mean, we can look at some of the other secretaries and they're still sticking around, arguably have done far worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... It, it, it is one of those things where there are always going to be people looking to take you down, and if you give them the ability to do so by making a, a mistake or a yeah. misstep, that's often all that it takes. Uh, one of the issues the VA is facing uh, right now is the Cerner Health Plan implementation, the electronic health records, which we've talked about it before, but if you're not familiar, it's essentially the uh, process of moving your health records from DOD to the VA when you get out of the military. It's been a boondoggle of epic proportions so far, and I don't know if it's looking like it's going to get too much better, at least the last that I heard. Has Wilkie said anything about the the Cerner Health Implementation Program, the EHR issue? Uh, where are we on that with him? Yeah, he did, and this has become a, a focal point for a number of the veteran service organizations as well as they've started to, I think, better understand you know, how important this really is to the VA uh, in the long term, and B, you know, finally grappling with the idea of how expensive this project really is going to be. And, and again, for your listeners, what we're talking about here is fixing that seamless healthcare record. So you don't have to carry in, you know, or I should say carry out piles and piles and piles of your healthcare records, make four copies. The idea here is, is that you have the same healthcare record from the day you know, you, 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 you take the oath and, and, and you're at MAPS uh, to the day you retire, get out of the service, and, and frankly, until the day you die as a veteran, that you have one military uh, slash veteran health care record and that it seamlessly, you know, talks to one agency or the other. Um, one, of the, one of the real belly buttons that, that is at issue with this problem is, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about interagency cooperation, which yeah. means DOD working with VA to come up with a seamless solution. Well, historically, this is, you know, been successful on nothing that I can think of. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> right. to think of anything. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the two agencies just do not work well together. They never have. They have different priorities. You know, veterans... The Veterans Administration is supposed to be focused on the v, you know, the the well, the health and well well being of veterans. DOD is primarily concerned with, you know, the mission, right? Yeah. You know, being being you know having personnel ready to to go into the fight. Um, so, what one of the big uh, areas of concern with this this project is that there is really no one belly button overseeing. Uh, the entirety of, of the implementation. Um, 
and that was that was also cited in a recent GAO report earlier this month that said the power vacuum uh, meant there was no single point of accountability for the two implementations. Uh, Wilkie has said the two will be quote unquote joined from the hip, uh, and he expressed confidence in his his own person, John Wyndham, the VA's point person on EHR implementation, who was just uh, appointed to that position very recently. Um, you know, so again, you, you, we're kind of back to, you know, who's in charge, who's going to be accountable for this 16 billion with the B, $16 billion, um, cost twice as much as it cost us to put, to, to create GPS, which required the, the, the launching of rockets into space. Satellites. Yes. <laughs> Several. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, that's the scope and size of the project we're talking about here. Um, you know, it continues to be under fire. I think it's going to continue to be uh, overdue in terms of schedule and over cost, which, you know, I was initially guessing 15, right? You've seen that's yeah. already ballooned to 60. Yeah, it's, I mean, it just <laughs> so, keeps going up. There's no cap on this. There's no ceiling for it. it. It may end up costing, they just may by the end say, it's going to cost all of the money. That's how much it's going to be. Right. Well, in DOD and, and others have frankly been down paths like this where it turned into, you know, the, you know, there have been projects where billions of dollars have been spent and they've just pulled the rug out and basically just said, there's no end in sight. We don't see how this is going to work, which is unfortunate because at the end of the day here, what we're really talking about is frankly an engineering problem. Uh, this, this is something that can be fixed. It is something that can be created. Uh, and there are people out there very much that can, can do it. But the government has just never done a good job in the IT space, and they've always been susceptible to, you know, whether it's personnel change over time, requirement changes, asking for new bells and whistles, um, you know, developing something, and then as soon as they spent years and years developing it and spending, you know, billions of dollars that, you know, as soon as they roll it out, it's like out of date in comparison to the rest of technology out there. Um, you know, so there, there, there are a whole host of, of potential issues, um, that, that could, you know, result in this being a disaster. The, the, the good news is, and I, I think, you know, if there is a hope and, and it's rare that I say Congress is a hope, um, you know, I think Congress did a really good job of, of providing oversight on a previous VA, $1 billion plus dollar IT project that worked. And that was the Veterans Benefits Management System. Hmm. And that, that is essentially the IT system that created paperless claims, right. right? So we used to have, for veterans, disability claims. Everything used to be in paper. Sometimes these things were literally hauled around on, you know, push carts um, with just cases and cases and cases of, of one veteran's file in some instances. So much paper in some places that the buildings were buckling from the weight of paper. That's a fact. <laughs> you know, structurally uh, unsound because of the amount of paper we were plugging into these places. Yeah. And, you know, so they, they've taken all that, they've ingested it into this software. It cost a lot of money. It cost more money than was projected. It was later than projected, but at the end of the day, it worked. Why I think it worked, or one of the primary reasons I think it worked was a few things. One, they actually did have really good people uh, at VA working on that project. But two, and I think as important and more important in this case, was congressional oversight. They were marching them up there all the time on the regular and trying to hold them accountable. 
I do have some faith, you know, in some of the things that the House Veterans Affairs Committee has done. I mean, they created a new committee, new subcommittee specifically to keep an eye on this project. Um, so, you know, hopefully that helps. Um, I think the Senate is probably looking at some potential similar ideas in terms of how do we make sure, you know, we're, we're being a squeaky wheel in terms of this project moving forward and holding VA accountable to make sure that at the end of the day, we don't spend $16 billion and veterans lose because we still don't have a single seamless healthcare record. We're speaking with Justin Brown, the founder and CEO of HillVets. Anytime I think of DOD and VA IT issues, I think of Navy Marine Corps Internet for the Navy Marine Corps, where when That's, it was that launched. That sounds horrible. When it was launched, it's where everybody got the at Navy.mil email address, okay. and it was all integrated. And, and when it was launched, it immediately crashed and was down for like a couple of weeks, I believe. And the reason given was, well, we didn't know how many people would be using it. I'm sorry, you know exactly how many employees you have. It was it was shocking that that didn't happen. And then, of course, we've got like this VA ID card, which boy, we're a year out from the launch of that and still barely anybody's gotten theirs. I got and mine. The GI Bill. It, oh, so fa- it was so fast. <laughs> Joe Chanelli put in his the day that they launched it and still hasn't received one. But you know it's what's kinda... funny about that is I was very confused. I didn't realize what I was getting. I thought I was getting my updated VA healthcare ID card. Oh, and you got the other one. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so if I'm honest, it was kind of ambiguous. Somewhere you know, there's was, a guy with a health card going, oh, I thought I was going to get the free pancake card. Yeah, well, it, I, got, I, I did it at the VFW convention. You know, they set up a booth. And, um, you know, uh, again, I, you know, maybe yeah. maybe I just read everything incorrectly or, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I've got the, because I have the old VA ID right. card, which, you know, when, when, you know, not to be confusing, we're talking about three cards now. Yeah, there's, so there's, well, there's, there's several, yeah. Yeah, there's the old VA health ID card, which, you know, you use to get health care. I knew I had the old one. I thought I was getting the new one. And instead, I got the you know the the VA veteran ID card, not to be confused with the one that helps you get healthcare. Ugh. And then we've got, I mean, the GI Bill issue that's going on now, where ninety something percent of the people receiving GI Bill benefits are receiving incorrect payments, and all they have to do for that is change a zip code. I mean, it, it seems like simple stuff is difficult for the VA and DoD at times. So when the big stuff like this comes, it's not a surprise to me. Let's take a look at politics, because along with the policy, what Hillvets also does is keeps an eye on the elections, keeps an eye on veterans who are running for office. There's a veteran in California who's seeking a re-election who's had some issues recently. There were some texts and emails about, oh, yeah, just uh, say that you're buying golf balls for wounded warriors and things like that. Of course, I'm talking about the accusations against Representative Duncan Hunter, who's a Marine Corps veteran out in California. Looks like the trial on his fraud uh, accusations or allegations or charges that he's facing, I guess they are now, it's actually not going to happen until after the midterm election that he is running for office in. Does this mean that there's a possibility that he could be elected? And the last I saw, it looked like he, he might get elected out there, uh, reelected, I should say, and then face the trial and then have to go to jail or something like that. Could we see a scenario like that coming? That, that sounds like the likely scenario to me. So, yeah, yeah. So, Representative Duncan Hunter, uh, five term term congressman uh, from California, San Diego area, 
uh, you know, I dare say inherited his father's seat, uh, former Congressman Hunter, uh, you know, obviously he didn't inherit it. He did, he did run and win, but name recognition is, yeah, is a big yeah, thing yeah. in it's, politics. It's like the distinguished gentleman. It's like I don't, the Kennedys, you know, yeah. if you're a Kennedy, you're probably going to have a good chance of winning a seat up in Massachusetts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the distinguished gentleman with Eddie Murphy, but he, 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 he has the either. same last name as the, the Congressman that just passed away. And he runs, and his campaign slogan is "The name you know." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Wow! And, and he wins, and he's like a hustler, you know. Like, like, That's so, pretty good. And, Must uh, be an older Eddie Murphy movie because it sounds funny. It is. <laughs> it's, it? Oh, it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> you got to check it out. It's 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 a true true classic. But um, yeah. So you know, I mean, Representative Duncan Hunter, he looks like he's sti- you know facing some real stiff uh, you know charges in terms of uh, campaign finance fraud. Uh, you know, there have been some pretty difficult articles to read in terms of, you know, how he's being purported to have used his campaign finances and, and really seemingly abused uh, that privilege. Uh, but it looks like for all intents and purposes in polls, he's he's still up. Uh, you know, he seems to be taking, you know, uh, uh, you know, the the line of, you know, that this is a, a witch hunt and it's politically motivated and, mm-hmm. and charged. Uh, frankly, I haven't seen anything that indicates that to, to be to be the case. Um, but you know, I guess time will tell after he has his trial. And uh, you know, I, I I I don't know fully what will happen if he does get elected and he you know ends up you know uh, like Rod Blagojevich situation, of course, who was in uh, in Illinois, the governor yeah, of Illinois, yeah. and then went to jail. Yeah, in this situation, is it the governor of California who chooses the replacement? And is he allowed to choose someone from, let's say, the opposite party? Hunter's a yeah. Republican. Can he choose a Democrat to take that? Is does there have to be a special election? I mean, do we do we have any idea what happens in that situation in California? Because each state yeah. seems to have their own rules. Yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's on a state by state basis. I'm not I'm not uh, fully familiar with California's uh, law regarding this, but it would be one of the two. It would either be uh, a special election. And or, well, it could be a combination of three things, Uh, a special election and the seat is vacated until the special election occurs, Um, a potential uh, governor, uh, governor appointed, uh, uh, appointing somebody to fill the seat until a special election Mm. uh, and or just a governor appointed uh, seat up until the next election. Uh, Those are kind of the three, I think, most common scenarios that would happen in this situation. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's pretty unfortunate. I mean, yeah. we've got a young veteran on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, and, and 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 frankly, we've seen this to some degree with some of our vets. And you know, I think we've got to do a you know all collectively a better job of you know making sure we're we're holding ourselves accountable and trying to be the best we can be and doing the right thing. We've all been trained to to, to know what the right thing is, and and that's where we should go. We've been speaking with Justin Brown, founder and CEO of Hill Vets. He'll be back next Tuesday. And maybe next Tuesday, along with the headlines, we can take a look at the upcoming election because we'll be within a month of the elections on next Tuesday. Take a look at those veterans who are running and how many are looking like they're going to pull it off. You know, we've had some candidates uh, in-house who uh, at least one or two of them, it looks like a pretty sure thing that they're going to win. Some other ones that are questionable. Hill Vets is one of the organizations that keeps an eye on that and all things pertaining to veterans happening on Capitol Hill. Justin, if people want to find out more about Hill Vets and what you guys are all about, where do they go to do so? Check us out at hillvets.org or find us 
at Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter is what you mean to say. <laughs> on Twitter at Hillvets. <laughs> You've been listening to The Morning Briefing, Tuesday, October 2nd edition, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Damon. On behalf of the team at ConnectingVets.com, thank you for joining us, and thank you to our guests today, Justin Brown of Hillvets and John Burke, Alpha Nerds Guild. That's the thing you want to check out on Facebook find out more about his nonprofit that's trying to combat PTSD, suicide, and just that kind of loneliness through video gaming. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.